Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about full malakas by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. And I'm Ellen. And today we'll be discussing chapters three and four. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You sound excited. <laughs> I'm always excited. <laughs> For a little bit of a, you know, military state discussion. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get started, I did want to note, uh, I don't think we mentioned it last time, we're primarily using the uh, full model edition re-releases uh, that Viz put out, or is currently putting out. Yes. As far as, just so everyone knows like what translation we're mostly using. Uh, mostly because they're pretty. Uh, they are pretty. They're very nice. Yeah, they're nice hardcovers. They got nice, thick, glossy pages, dark black inks. It's really, really nice. Um, it is very nice. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing they're missing are they don't have any of the um, the little side comics and omakes at the end, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but I do also own the original Viz publishings that went out, so I can consult those if we need these side <laughs> stories. I have the Japanese uh, uh, full model edition too, so mm-hmm. we can consult that as well, which is also nice. If you want to collect Japanese manga too, I don't know. Yeah, I also came up uh, reading the scanlations of the series, so I might occasionally <laughs> reference uh, came up. other translations <laughs> I remember. Anyway, shall we start? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to All read. Right. So chapter three opens on a train, which I think legally qualifies this as a steampunk series now, <laughs> or an Agatha Christie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ed and I'll make note of the fact that they are literally the only passengers on board. <laughs> Guess this isn't exactly tourist country, Ed says, looking up from his map. The town on the eastern border, the Usewell Coal Mines. When they arrive, they find the town itself isn't much livelier. A few miners shuffle about at their work or take a chance to sit and rest. Everyone seems a little tired, Al says. Not too tired for some slapstick, though, as Ed promptly gets conked in the head by a kid carrying a wooden beam. The kid apologizes, but then gets very excited when he realizes his victim isn't a local. (laughs) Need a meal? A place to stay? He asks eagerly as Ed uhs and wells in response. (laughs) And before he can get any kind of real answer out, the kid turns and yells, Dad, we got customers! One of the men working the mine says, Huh? What's that, Kyle? Customers! He shouts again. Piggy banks! What do you mean, (laughs) piggy banks? Ed protests, unheard. (laughs) They all head to the inn Kyle's family runs, and it's a much more warm and lively place than the rest of the town. Other off-work miners chat and laugh while Kyle's dad explains that work in the mines doesn't bring in much money, so they run the inn to make ends meet. Unfortunately, they also don't give many tourists to milk for cash, so the price for one night's stay and two meals for two comes to a whopping 200,000 cents. And Ed's threat to speak to a manager and take his business elsewhere doesn't do any good, because everyone else in town has the same kind of prices. He and Al go into a huddle, confirming that they have nowhere near enough cash on them. Ed decides that the only thing to do is transmute some pebbles into gold. Al points out that that's very illegal. (laughs) <laughs> if we don't get caught, we won't get caught, Ed says. We're then immediately caught <laughs> by dropping Kyle. But he's just excited to hear that there's an alchemist in town. And soon Ed is earning himself some goodwill and an ego boost by fixing <laughs> the miners' tools to great praise. This gets them a nice discount, though it's still not cheap. And Kyle's father happily serves him up a hot meal and asks to know Ed's name. Edward Elric, he says, and the plate of food is suddenly snatched away before his fork and knife touch down. <laughs> I love his expression. Yeah. <laughs> so bitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're Elric the Alchemist. The state alchemist, Kyle's father asks. Well, sort of, Ed says, reaching for his mug, which also gets snatched away. The crowd's opinion has immediately turned, and Ed and Al are promptly booted out the door. We don't have any food or lodging for dogs in the military. Al is quick to point out that he's actually a civilian, and he is easily (laughs) welcome back in. You traitor, Ed cries. 
Inside, Kyle and the other miners explain to Al why everyone here hates soldiers so much. The town is under the thumb of Lieutenant Yoki, who only cares about making money. He owns the mine and everything around it, and spends everything he makes on bribes to his superiors. The miners don't get paid enough to get by, and anyone they might complain to is in Yoki's pocket. And as for the state alchemists, alchemists work for the people. That's the slogan of the alchemists, the source of their pride, Kyle's father says. I know state alchemists get a lot in exchange, but I can't forgive people who sell their souls to the military state. Outside, Ed dramatically despairs over his hunger and how his brother has lost his humanity up until Al comes back out with the food he snuck away with and Ed immediately and tearfully embraces him. <laughs> Al explains what he just learned about the town situation while Ed settles in to eat, though he seems to lose his appetite a bit when Al mentions that the people here aren't even able to get enough food supplies. Ed sighs that the military isn't very popular to begin with and people like Yoki just make things even harder for them. When I became a state alchemist, I knew I'd get a certain amount of flack, but I never knew people would hate me this much. Al wonders if he should also get a state certification, but Ed says it's enough trouble just having one of them go through it. They sigh a bit over the difficulty of their circumstances, between their bodies and their reputations, and wonder what their teacher would think if she found out. With sudden looks of terror, they conclude that she would kill them. <laughs> they do have very terrifying <laughs> yeah. expressions. Al's like holding his armor head. <laughs> yeah. And they go from like sweating. calm they go from like calm reminiscence to just absolute terror. Yes. <laughs> A commotion interrupts their thoughts as the spoken-of devil, Lieutenant Yoki, arrives at the inn with two military guards. He immediately lives up to the picture that's been painted by insulting the inn and calling Kyle's father, whose name is revealed to be Holling, a deadbeat for being late on taxes, before deciding to cut his salary even more based on the evidence of him being able to afford to sell alcohol at the inn. He also has a pencil mustache, which makes him a villain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he then endears himself to us even more when he responds to Kyle's very deadly attack of throwing a cloth at his face in anger by smacking the small child to the ground and sticking a fully grown soldier wielding a sword on him. We were thankfully spared any more child dismemberment for the time being, because Ed steps in just in time to block the saber with his automobile arm before it can hit Kyle. Yoki is indignant about this interruption, until Ed flashes his silver pocket watch, which signifies his rank as a state alchemist. Seeing an opportunity for further advancement, Yoki quickly turns on the slimy charm and invites Ed to stay at his own home instead of the inn, which Ed agrees to. After all, the owner here is too cheap to let him stay. Mm -mm. And with another threat from Yoki about collecting taxes and a slam of the door, the two are gone. Ah, that makes me so mad, the disgruntled miners shout. Um, mad at who? Al asked. Both of them! <laughs> at Yoki's home, Ed takes note of the opulence of the surroundings. Seriously, there are actual maids serving there. Yeah, there's two maids, at least. <laughs> if not more. Yeah. And it's huge. Mm -hmm. And the fancy food compared to how everyone else in town lives. Yoki continues to slime his way through their conversation while Ed basically nods along in the most non-committal way possible. They eventually arrive at Yoki mentioning what kind of influence Ed must have with the military higher-ups while offering up a heavy coin purse as a token of his gratitude. This is what some would call a bribe, is it not? Ed asks. It's gratitude, Yoki insists. I don't want to spend the rest of my life as a petty official in this country town. I'm sure we understand each other. After dinner, two soldiers escort Ed down the hall to his room, while another stops Yoki for a private conversation about the repeated trouble they've had at Hollings Inn. Hmm, they've always been rather rebellious, haven't they? Yoki responds. What a bother. Burn it down. Ed looks back over his shoulder as he's led away. I was very upset when I read this. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> in the night, smoke rises over the town and alarm bells ring. And in the morning, Ed joins the crowd looking over the charred remains of the inn. Holling comforts his wife, who sobs as she clutches the burned inn sign. And a little ways back, Al kneels by Kyle, who is slumped in exhaustion near scattered fire buckets. Kyle asks if Ed can just make them some gold to save the town. But Ed tells him that goes against equivalent exchange. Why should I give you free money? Furious and with tears in his eyes, Kyle grabs Ed by the collar. You scumbag! You call yourself an alchemist? Alchemists work for the people, right? Ed says calmly. If I give you money now, it'd just end up as taxes in Yoki's vault. 
He shrugs out of Kyle's grip. If you're that desperate, leave town and find another job. Kid, I know you can't understand, Holling says, his back to Ed as he puts a comforting hand on his son's head. But these mines are our homes and our graves. Later on, Al hurries after Ed, who is striding quickly through the mine's rail yard. He starts to ask if they're really going to abandon these people, but Ed interrupts him to ask how much mining waste he thinks is there sitting in the cars in front of him. One ton, maybe two, Al answers, obviously puzzled. <laughs> Ed climbs up onto one of the cars and tells Al to look the other way for a second because he's about to do something slightly illegal. You want me to be an accomplice? What, you won't? Al sighs. <laughs> You're going to do it even if I say no, right? Well, if we don't get caught, we won't get caught. Ed begins his transmutation, and Al points out that he's not setting a very good example for his little brother. <laughs> he's not, but if you don't get caught, then you don't get caught. Like... Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what I learned from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> it's not stealing if you need it, obviously. Yeah. This is a disclaimer. Don't do anything that we say on this podcast. <laughs> if you can do alchemy, don't just turn shit into gold, I guess. Although there's no laws against that in this, our, our world. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Don't turn stuff into gold. Uh, don't steal loaves of bread. Uh. Yeah, don't give it to your monkey or whatever. Yeah, That's what I learned from Aladdin. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back at Yoki's house, Ed and Al have arrived with a vast quantity of gold. Ed wants to buy the rights to the mines. And oh, of course he'll mention Yoki to his superiors. Yoki is eager to take that deal. But Ed mentions one little problem. Making gold like this is illegal, of course. So if Yoki could write up a document saying the rights were transferred free of charge, that would be a big help. Of course, Yoki wouldn't mind that at all. They should start the paperwork right away. In town, the miners have reached their breaking point and are discussing a raid on Yoki's house while Holling tries to talk them down. He doesn't want them all to become criminals. Hi, everybody. What a lot of gloomy faces. You're looking cheerful today. Ed's overly enthusiastic entrance is met with disgruntled looks, and Ed tells them they should be a little nicer to the new proprietor of this joint. When they react with disbelief, he flashes the paperwork and confirms that the entire coal mine now belongs to him. But we're just a couple of vagabonds going from place to place. These documents will just be in the way, so... Howling catches on, and with a grim look, he asks how much Ed wants to sell it to them for. He grins and warns that it'll be pretty expensive. After all, this deed is printed on high-quality goatskin parchment, stamped with a gold seal. Not only that, but in a spectacular feat of craftsmanship, the deposit box is inlaid with powdered jade. And hey, the key is made of real silver. This is just a layman's opinion, but taking all this into account, how about the price of one night's stay and two meals for two at your place? Holling and Kyle are stunned. Oh, equivalent exchange, Kyle says, and Holling starts to laugh. You're right, that is expensive. I'll buy it, he says, slamming his fist down firmly, and Ed throws the papers down with a happy sold. Just in time, because in marches Yoki, who is horrified by the sale of the mines, but mostly upset that all his gold bars have turned into rocks. <laughs> huh? I don't know anything about any gold bars, Ed says. The deed was given to me free of charge. See? You signed it. It says so right here. Yoki tries to direct his soldiers to get the deed back, but freed from the yoke of Yoki, the miners don't hesitate to fight back. And as one last blow, Ed assures Yoki that what he'll be telling his superiors is every detail of Yoki's corruption and incompetence. <laughs> After everything, the miners celebrate, breaking out the food and alcohol and trying to goad the underage teenagers into drinking. Pouring alcohol on Ed, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle says that Ed hasn't sold his soul after all, and Holling agrees. We end on a post-celebration panel with everyone passed out, and Al scolds his possibly drunk brother for sleeping <laughs> with his stomach exposed. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could get drunk. <laughs> I don't have a corporal body. So. <laughs> that is the problem with be being essentially a ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Do the ghosts in Harry Potter drink? This is a random question. I don't know. They like, <laughs> don't they like chips. float through like rotten food because it mm -hmm. almost tastes like something? <laughs> mm -hmm. So maybe they like, I don't know, float through really strong alcohol. Technically, alcohol is rotten food. In, mm -hmm. a, in a way so <laughs> they're like we can only taste it if it's like 6,000 proof yeah <laughs> 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 
just like getting slightly buzzed on like Everclear constantly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a good headcanon. Yeah. All right. Chapter four opens again on a train. See, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Agatha Christie murder. The murder's about yes. to happen. <laughs> murder on the on the Amestris Express. Obtain, the Optane Express. What didn't they say? They're coming from Optane later in the chapter. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Murder on the Usewell Express. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know the old Agatha Christie tale. Of course. <laughs> Everybody knows it. A man and his family are in one of the cars, happily discussing the vacation they're heading toward and how nice it is that the man finally got some time off work. This excitement is swiftly interrupted by a group of armed men barging into the compartment, confirming that the man is General Halcrow and then holding him at gunpoint. The group's leader, a dour-looking man in an eye patch, apologizes for interrupting the family gathering. The vacation's over, he says. From here on, it will be a trip of thrills and despair. You can tell he's evil because he has an eye patch. Yes. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm following hair. the story. <laughs> he also has a goatee, I think, too. Mm -hmm. So, and a yeah, like a a well groomed kind of Jafar esque beard. Yeah. <laughs> or is that just shadow? No, he just has like a mustache, like a long mustache. A mustache with like, I don't know. Is it a goatee? I don't know anything about facial <laughs> hair. I don't know what I'm talking about. He he looks evil for sure. Listen. <laughs> At a military headquarters building, a man and a woman in uniform walk quickly down a hallway. The woman briefs him on the situation as they enter a room full of other soldiers at work. The attack on the train is the work of an extremist group called the Blue Squad, and they're demanding their leader be released from prison. As they work to confirm that the general really is on board the train in question, the man sighs that he had a date set up later tonight. I guess the general is just going to have to sacrifice himself so we can wrap things up right away. Don't be ridiculous, Colonel, another soldier says as he hands him a passenger list for the train. The colonel scans the list and unfortunately confirms the general's presence. He gripes for a moment about the man choosing to go on vacation out here when he knows how unstable the situation in the East is, but then something else on the list catches his eye. I think we can go home earlier than we thought, and with a smirk he says, the Fullmetal Alchemist is on board. <laughs> Ed is indeed on board, sleeping soundly through his own hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> this greatly annoys his hostage taker, who goes so far as to poke the sleeping Ed in the cheek with the barrel of his gun and tell him to act more like a hostage, which is terrible gun safety, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Another disclaimer. Don't just grab a gun that's pointed at you, question mark. Yeah. Unless you know alchemy, then in which case do whatever you want. Yeah. As seen before. <laughs> this gets no response until he makes the mistake of calling out a runt, and then a semi-conscious angry beatdown occurs while Al sighs in the background. I love his dark expression when he wakes yeah. up. It's wonderful. <laughs> After Ed has successfully disabled both of the thugs guarding their train, he pauses. So, um, who are these guys? And Al sighs some more. <laughs> <laughs> now tied up, one of the men details how many of their group are on board and where, under the threat of more violence from Ed. The other passengers worry that they could come to retaliate, and Al says that maybe if somebody was more mature, they could have ended this peacefully. <laughs> you can't move forward if you keep regretting the past, Ed proclaims, and then he and Al work out a plan of attack where Ed moves in from above and Al moves from below. Akuna Matata, he yes. proclaims. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who are you guys? One of the passengers asks. Ed strikes a cool pose on his way out the window. We're alchemists. And then he immediately almost gets swept away by the wind <laughs> pressure outside the train. <laughs> The passengers are not reassured, but he makes it to the roof in one piece and starts to move forward. <laughs> Inside, the hijackers have started to realize something is up now that their men at the back of the train aren't responding, and a couple of them go to check it out. They run into Al, panic, and shoot, despite Al's warning, and then exactly <laughs> what you would expect to happen when someone shoots bullets at a metal object in an enclosed metal space happens. <laughs> they both clutch at their wounds and fall. Up in the general's car, the eyepatch guy, whose name is Bald, <laughs> is brought up to speed on the developing lack of contact situation. They say that with the guards dead and communications cut, there's no way any of the passengers could have called for help, and they start to wonder if someone turned traitor. The general snarks at them for falling apart when their plan starts to go wrong and says they should start thinking about surrendering, and Bald calmly shoots off a chunk of his ear in warning, revealing that he too has an automail arm and it's a bit deadlier than Ed's. 
But Ed could make his into a gun if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ed, Bald hears the pitter-patter of little feet and immediately begins firing into the ceiling. It's a rat, he says, when the footsteps end with a cry of pain. Go check above. <laughs> Outside, Ed takes off his boot and pries a bullet out of his automel foot. That was too close, he says, and with renewed anger declares he'll recapture the engine room first. He accomplishes this easily enough by swinging in through the window and kicking one of the men in the back of the head, which is enough of a distraction to let the engine workers join in with their shovels now that they're <laughs> no longer being held at gunpoint. Anything I can do? The conductor asks as Ed climbs back onto the roof. Just drive safely, please. <laughs> Another of Bald's men catches up to Ed, taking a shot at him as soon as his head clears the roof. Annoyed, Ed transmutes a cannon out of the coal car and shouts, <laughs> That was dangerous, you jerk, as he fires back with a large cannonball that the man scrambles to dodge. The irony isn't lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The conductor scolds Ed for messing with the tender car because it stores the coal and water needed to run the whole train. Ed taps the side of the car with his knuckles, getting an idea. A grinchy idea? Yes. A wonderful, <laughs> awful idea. <Cool> idea. <laughs> Back inside, Bald's men are starting to panic. There's some crazy guy on the roof and a huge suit of armor <laughs> stalking through the hallways. Things continue to get worse for them when a tiny Ed-shaped loudspeaker <laughs> puffs out of the wall. <laughs> Gaudy as usual. <laughs> yes. Ed delivers his ultimatum. They have retaken the engine room and all the rear cars, and this is the only room left. If they don't lay down their weapons and release the hostages, they'll have to use force. When Bald snarls his refusal, something else pops out of the wall. Is that a water pipe? One of the men nervously asks. <laughs> all passengers, please take cover, Ed announces, and then turns the valve on the pipe he's transmuted between the tender car and the rest of the train. Water rushes through the car, washing Bald's men out the door at the end that Al calmly opens. <laughs> Welcome, he greets, slamming his fists together. <laughs> Ed drops down to join the fight. Well, well, someone else with an automail arm, he says, transmuting his forearm blade. Bald screams in fury that this little brat is who's been causing him all his trouble. But Ed's blade pierces his automail gun before he can let off more than one wide shot. You know you bought the cheaper model, right? Ed says, <laughs> slicing it cleanly in half as Al finishes the fight with a blow to the back of Bald's head. With the job done and the train safely arrived, the colonel greets Ed and Al at the train station. Ed pulls a very uncheerful expression in reply. <laughs> I wouldn't have helped out if I'd known it was in your district. The colonel notes that Ed still doesn't like him, and with a glance at Ed's arm, that he still isn't back to normal. More serious, Ed contemplates his automobile hand and says that they've been researching ancient texts and searching all the towns in the east, but they still haven't found anything yet. I've heard the rumors. It seems you're causing quite the commotion. Ed grumps that the colonel is noisy as ever, but he points out that it's hard not to hear about him. Al nods in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their conversation is interrupted by a pained cry from one of the nearby military guards, as Bald uses a concealed knife in his auto in its automail arm to make a desperate escape attempt. Lieutenant Hawkeye, the woman we saw briefing the colonel at the beginning of the chapter, draws her sidearm and steps forward, but the colonel waves her back. I'll take care of this, he says, taking his hand from his pocket to reveal an alchemical symbol drawn on his glove. Bald launches himself at them with an enraged scream, and the colonel calmly snaps his fingers. There is a spark, a crackle of transmutation energy, and then the air in front of Bald explodes into flames, knocking him back. I went easy on you, the colonel says. If you try to resist again, I'll turn you to ash. Who the hell are you? Bald snarls from the floor. Roy Mustang, rank colonel. And one more thing. I'm the flame alchemist. And we end on Roy looking very cool and smug. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> it, he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does look very kakui in this <laughs> panel. <Yes. laughs> if I had to describe it in one word. <laughs> I forgot how smug Roy is. As stated, mm -hmm. I've read part of this series before. Mm -hmm. But in particular, I forgot how smug he is. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And how much Ed hates him, which is also yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I love the face he makes when he first he's sees like, him. Oh, it's you. <laughs> yeah. I like how Al's also like, oh, it's Colonel. Like, he's so happy. Yeah, he's just cheerfully, che he just cheerfully greets both of them. <laughs> yeah, he also like bows at uh, Hawkeye as well. So mm -hmm. it's really cute. Yeah. So yeah, these were two kind of like standalone stories. But they were related because they, they were trains. Kinda, yes, they're train stories. <laughs> Uh, yes. But just kind of connected to their general uh, searching for things in the East. 
Yes. And we also learn more about them in the military because mm-hmm. you also have him talking to Roy and uh, Risa Hawkeye, too, So mm-hmm. who are also in the military. Yep. Yeah, we get a, a look at, like, the normal military members <laughs> in these chapters. <laughs> the, including the super corrupt ones. <laughs> yes. Also normal. Quote, unquote, normal. Yeah, exactly. Normal in this story, at least. Well, probably normal in reality, yeah. but I mean... <laughs> We gotta keep our opinions to ourselves. It's only the second episode of this podcast. <laughs> we did learn a lot about them, though, in these two chapters, I think, even mm-hmm. though they were kind of one-offs. Yep. And about the world mm-hmm. of FMA. Yeah, I think there's uh, something I like about this series is the kind of continual, like, subtle world building you get. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a lot of series you get, like, a here's the world and here's the thing in, like, the first chapter. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, like, then they just move on with the story, you know what I mean? Like, nothing really... Yeah happened but we knew that ed was in the military last time but we didn't really know anything Mm -hmm. about the military yeah and also in the first chapter or the first two that we read he's very much welcomed and praised by the townspeople right Mm -hmm. and they fix the thing they're like oh you're an alchemist just like um you know our lord and savior whatever his name was Mm -hmm. that i already forgot (laughs) yeah uh cornello cornello father cornello (laughs) i always remember Mm -hmm. leto or like the leto or whatever the god Mm -hmm. but never can remember yeah yeah they're like, oh, yeah, you're like Father Cornello. Mm-hmm. You can do miracles and whatever, too. So yeah. he gets more praise. This time they're, like, <laughs> pulling his food away from him mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting contrast of, like, the the view of alchemists versus state alchemists. Because, mm-hmm. like, he starts off getting the same kind of praise. True. It's like, they're happy to have an alchemist and who's, like, able to fix stuff for them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, like, the second they realize he's associated with the military, they're like, get the fuck out. Get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, we learned that the like the military obviously has a lot of influence in different places with this, you know, Yoki being able to have such a strong grip over this one little mining town. Yeah. Well, I think he <laughs> kind of did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, he's corrupt, right? So it seems like yeah. what happened was they put they posted him there and he was like, I got to get out of this hellhole and like mm-hmm. bought up the mine and then bribe, tried to bribe his way up, up the ladder um, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, it seems, yeah. from the story that we were told. Mm-hmm. But also, like, in the first two chapters, Cornello was worried they came from the military because they thought that he was going to start, like, a coup in the East, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In the story so far, they're, like, ever, ever present, it mm-hmm. seems. The military is this constant thing. So this this episode, I feel like we learned more about the military in the sense of, like, yeah, like, they're also, yes, alchemists may be revered, but the military is not. Especially mm-hmm. in this case where you had this, like, corrupt... Uh, military person in the military yeah because even without like the direct influence of yoki ed mentions that the military doesn't have a great reputation mm-hmm. and like he knew he'd get some flack, flack for joining up as a state alchemist yeah so i guess so far we can infer that state alchemists are so he ed mentions that he's like or al says that he should go through the registration process and ed is like no no like one of us is enough you know mm-hmm. as if there's some kind of process for becoming a recognized alchemist Mm-hmm. And also, he's employed by the state, I think it's implied, right? Yeah. So, like, Howling says that, he's like, oh, I know that people get a lot in exchange for becoming a state, state alchemist, but I, like, I just can't get behind them selling their souls to the military or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a perception about the military in this chapter that it is like you're giving up something, like you're selling your soul, I guess, to be in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, we also got a little bit more information about, like, alchemy. Like mm-hmm. in general in the world and i think the most interesting thing about the about the alchemy and film alchemist is that it's like a learned skill 
yeah. that like it seems like anyone can pick up if they wanted to howling is like, like i dabble kind of yeah. yeah like any other kind of thing where like some people have a knack for it and some people don't and you gotta like learn it and stuff because because yeah howling's is like oh i did a little but i didn't have the talent for it or whatever mm-hmm. rather than being like some kind of like inherent magic quality or something mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't seem to be like magic magic it's like mm-hmm. uh a thing you can learn to do yeah understand all the rules mm-hmm. yeah, which makes sense going off the real world like alchemy where it was treated as like a science to yeah. some degree like, and there's like process and whatever mm-hmm. speaking of humanity unrelated kind of related to the military but i thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. comment where i mean it, i think it was just played off as a joke but um mm-hmm. ed is like al like have you really lost all your humanity so soon or whatever mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of an interesting implication that like yeah. you know i don't know he's just a soul question mark in a body yeah that's mm-hmm. right they said they specifically use the language soul in this series so yeah he's a soul in a suit of armor so like a little small question raised about the nature of humanity that i assume is going to be explored more later in the mm-hmm. series too it's definitely one of those things where you just, you kind of laugh about it when it first comes off because it's a joke but then when you think about it you're like hmm. oh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like hmm well, there's a couple things that that we talked about so far where it's just like Haha, hmm <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> especially because ed is always so um hmm, sassy about everything yeah. all the time like last time we were talking about like I mean, the series really opens with a bunch of heavy-hitting concepts, right? Where you have, like, corrupt religious leaders, corrupt Mm -hmm. um, military officials, like, people in power who are corrupt. And then you also have people who can manipulate the environment, like alchemists who, like, some are good, I guess. You can, you know, you can see, like, Ed scheming to help the people in the end, right? Mm -hmm. But um, you have this sort of, like, there are some interesting questions raised about humanity and being a good person and following the rules or following the rules when it's right to follow the rules or you know Mm -hmm. doing something and not getting caught like yeah you know anyway interesting to interesting to just open up a story with like some real (laughs) real punch in the gut issues Mm -hmm. i think (laughs) and also child dismemberment which we were thankfully spared from this time (laughs) it's like uh it has been this many chapters since our last chapter. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should start a counter, a running yeah. counter. <laughs> you never know. There could be more child dismemberment in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is Ed a child? I mean, he kind of is. He seems like he's like a... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did we talk about how old they are I last think, time? Uh, I think we did, maybe. Yeah, I think they're like 15 and 14 at this point in the series. They're teens sure they're... of some kind. Yeah. But Ed mm-hmm. is short, I guess, so you know, he yeah. looks like a kiddo. But, you know. It just makes him come off as even more sassy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how he's, like, he does have, like, a very teenage, like, <laughs> kind of dickishness to him sometimes. He does. Like, even though he's, like, he's a genuinely good person, but just yes. some of the things he says to people. <laughs> this whole time, I think, like, the whole first <laughs> chapter that we read, was that was very clear. Because, like, even when he shows up and he's not like, hey, just want to let you know about the mine. Why don't you buy it from me? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. He's, like, it's all, everything is always handled with full sass mode, you know? Yeah. He can never be too nice, even mm-hmm. though he clearly had good intentions. Yeah. And he also, yeah, he weaseled, you know, like, nobody ended up, everybody, the, all the right people ended up getting things, I guess, from our mm-hmm. perspective in the story, at least, right? Because he yeah. also transmuted the gold back into uh, mining waste. Mm-hmm. So all they ended up with was a free mine transfer, and he got some food out of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One of my favorite little moments uh, in these chapters is when... 
like Al brings him the food and he's starting to eat. And then like Al says like they don't even get enough food supplies and he kind of lowers the like sandwich he's about to bite into. Yeah. You can tell that it plays it's it plagues him the these mm-hmm. problems throughout this this chapter, but he always tries to play it off so cool. The kid demands later that after the inn is burned down that Ed make them money and he's like, No. But I mean he is right that it would just end up as taxes, but Mm-hmm. he's like it seems like what he's saying is like no like take care of yourself and then he goes and like does the thing for them which mm-hmm. is nice yeah i thought it was interesting how another line that really stuck with me unrelated to this is when uh Holling is like you know the mines are our home in our graves like we'll mm-hmm. stay here forever it's very interesting yeah he's like a kid like you doesn't understand you know he's a ed is a teenager ed is a vagabond mm-hmm. ed is yes. <laughs> you know he's like he works for the military he doesn't have a permanent you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he has any kind of permanence or thing that he cares about other than like his brother so far that we've seen. So mm-hmm. an interesting idea also in a small line. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that's like obviously a line that affects Ed since that's like. He seems annoyed about what immediately What immediately precedes him going to do the gold transmutation. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show you how much I care about the mines. <laughs> <laughs> Crying inside. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like the um, like the characterization we're getting on Al too. Like he's obviously a less bombastic force than <laughs> his brother. Yes, I like. There's a. I was just looking at, or while you were reading, I was looking at the manga. There was a couple panels I noticed where he's just like the equivalent of like a suit of armor shaking his head. You know, he's yeah. like <laughs> holding his head like uh, like a couple times. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there's another panel of Al just holding his head in shame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and he's yeah. the way that he's he, actually very exasperated by Ed, but also <laughs> not immune to. Like you know, the same kind of like shenanigans, like like the bit when the uh, in the chapter four when the water washes the yeah the bad guys into his train and he like greets them with like He's his like, fists Hello. like slammed together. Yes. Like, <laughs> well, I think Al. So I think the thing about it now that we've seen so far is that Al has a more of a black and white sense of what's wrong and right, and mm-hmm. Ed has more of a gray area understanding of what's wrong and right, like. And that's what it seems like, where he's like, well, I'll transmute the gold, but then I'll do this thing. Or, like, Ed immediately jumps to violence for taking care of the hostage situation, whereas Al mm-hmm. is like, he could have just, like, talked to them, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. It's Yeah, I think we see in their characterization how different yet influenceable they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're a good pair, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely come off as, like, brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, know each other well and like tease each other but love each other i do like how al is like you're not setting a very good example for me yeah <laughs> in that one part mm-hmm. last time we talked about ed's like gaudy transmutations mm-hmm. and i left out in the uh in your summary you specified it but the uh the like the transmutations he does on the train like where he makes the little speaker that's shaped like himself and like yeah he's like oh i'm gonna like transmute the pipe and then we saw the um um the other thing is, like, we talked about the sort of visual language of transmutation, too, how, like, things sort of, like, the thing that the new transmutation comes out of, like, loses a bit of its, like, shape or whatever later. Mm-hmm. And you can see that well on the train scene where he, yeah. the pipe goes, the pipe, look it, like, it's pulled from the top, the roof of the train, and then it connects to the other one. And both of the cars have, like, uh, little bits that seem to be missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice attention to detail mm-hmm. whenever they do those. It's uh, and it is gaudy. 
yeah <laughs> transmitting a cannon in response to getting that was, shot at. <laughs> yeah that was also hilarious <laughs> he's like hey that's dangerous and then he like makes a cannon and fires back yeah. i like how you can see the the train door like the roof door is also blown off in the background too from the cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just narrowly missed it i guess <laughs> <laughs> but even the idea of like using the water from the train and stuff is kind of gaudy he's like i'll turn it into a thing and like wash them away <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do think it's funny how Al is like, wait, don't shoot. Like he tries to get the dot to shoot and all the bullets yeah. all ricochet. I also like that. I do think that's also kind of like part of Al's personality. Like he always tries to settle things, it seems. Mm -hmm. Between Ed and others, but also with other yeah. people too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I think the series does a good job at portraying Al's kind of like childishness. Mm -hmm. It seems like in some ways he's still kind of like that kid that was whose soul was transmuted into the suit of armor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously not in some ways where he's, like, last when they were talking to Rosé, he was talking about all the, like, the way the human transmutation went and, like, all this other stuff. Like, obviously he's seen some shit, but mm -hmm. in some ways I think he still has this kind of, like, childlike innocence that Ed doesn't really seem to have. Yeah. We kind of talked about this already, but we met some other alchemist or, um, well, at least one other alchemist, but we met some other military characters in this, mm -hmm. this episode, or these two chapters. Yeah, we got Mustang and Hawkeye, mm -hmm. who were named. <laughs> yeah, well, also Hal Crow, I guess. He was part of the, yeah. part of the military, too. Mm -hmm. So, I had originally always heard the general's name as Hakuro. Oh, really? Yeah, like in previous translations like that I had read and stuff. I was reading this, and I was like, is that just a weird like mistranslation? Because the Viz translation has some interesting choices. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but I looked it up and I think it probably is actually intended to be Halcrow because all of the military characters, we've only seen a couple named ones, but mm. all of them are named after real world military stuff, usually, mm. uh, usually vehicles and weapons. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, Mustang is named after the P-51 Mustang fighter plane from World War II. You an expert on fighter planes? Because I'm not. <laughs> no, I looked these up. <laughs> Um, this is something I knew, but I looked up the specific uh, things <laughs> for mm. this one. Um, yeah, and it's usually from like World War One, World War Two era, though there's some outliers for the names. Uh, Hawkeye is named after the Northrop Grumman E-2 Hawkeye, which is a, apparently it is a carrier-capable tactical airborne early warning <laughs> aircraft, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. <laughs> so it's released from aircraft carriers. This is like <laughs> one thing I know, I guess. <laughs> My dad worked on aircraft carriers in the Navy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has a swirly um, thing on top, which is important. It does. It's <laughs> the most important feature. It's a so it's a it's a radar, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and other characters who haven't been named yet, I'll say them when they come up in the series. Also, have that kind of, the same pattern of naming. So, like every, I think every single military character falls into this pattern of naming. Interesting. Uh, and it turns out that there is a civil engineer, Sir William Halcrow, who did a lot of work oh. during the Second World War. Oh, he so. was knighted. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many engineers have been knighted. I don't know. <laughs> so I think it's not unlikely that uh, Arakawa did intend him to be named Talcro after this guy. Perhaps. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew their names were uh, Hawkeye and Mustang. Mm -hmm. um, but that's cool. I don't have anything to say about this. I don't know anything mm -hmm. about planes and stuff. Yeah, I don't know too much. But Someone in the audience is screaming. A, it's fine. Yeah. I always thought it was a nice detail of the series that they were all named after those kind of things. And when I was looking up the... I was like, why is he called Halcro in this translation? And then... I found out about this guy, and I was like, oh, maybe that is uh, the correct translation. It's certainly, like, in mm -hmm. line, I guess, even if mm -hmm. it's not, you know. Yeah. The military certainly seems like it's going to be a running theme in this story, because it's already happened. Yeah. It's already come up in every 
I mean, in every episode of ours and like almost every chapter. So mm-hmm. they're kind of like the punchline in every chapter. Like yeah. Cornello thought that the military was coming to get him. And then in the then there's Yoki in his third chapter. Because the, mm-hmm. the first two chapters were about Cornello, right? And then the yeah. fourth chapter, like the military was taken hostage by radicals. So mm-hmm. someone from the military was taken hostage by radicals. So yeah. I am certain that there will be more military talk in the coming mm-hmm. chapters. Yep. And yeah, we're introduced to uh, Mustang and Hawkeye, who we don't see a ton of in this chapter, but uh, seem like they're going to continue to be prominent. Mm-hmm. Well, they have clearly have a backstory with Ed and Al, too, because mm-hmm. they were greeted both warmly and not warmly, <laughs> in yes. some people's cases. Mm-hmm. And Mustang ha- makes fire, which is cool. Yep. <laughs> Flame Alchemist. Yes. So they all have Got a title. Yeah, yeah, they have nicknames because we talked mm-hmm. about how Ed's a Full Metal Alchemist before, so he's the Flame Alchemist. Yep, I think Full Metal Alchemist is a, is better than Flame Alchemist. Maybe we need to start mm-hmm. a rank list of all their na- yes. nicknames. <laughs> Best nicknames. But he can make fireballs, which is pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and he's got a uh, he's got a nice little uh, transmutation circle on his glove. It's pretty handy, which has a little no pun lizardy thing on it, which. Is a salamander. I was gonna say, isn't it a salamander? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is for uh, fire. It's not, yeah, it's not strictly an alchemical association, but salamanders are like often associated with fire in uh, different mythologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a specific uh, alchemical association. Um, the famous alchemist Paracelsus. Paracelsus. Uh, no. <laughs> per- yes, Paracelsus. Uh, per- <laughs> Paracelsus. Okay. Um, was one of the ones who like called called salamanders and like fire elementals and stuff so interesting Mm -hmm. i I do know like the salamander is often associated with fire right Mm -hmm. yeah you know salamanders are people used to think they came out of fire and stuff i wonder why that is i mean they're all slimy they look like wet Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just i read something about how like they could like people would find them like in the remains of like fires or whatever and that's just because they were like you know hanging hanging out under the logs and stuff yeah I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like this is a nice warm place to nap, probably. Yeah. <laughs> After it was mm-hmm. cool enough, or maybe they were just in the ground. That's kind of where they hang out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I always like that little little detail. Mm-hmm. Little salamander on his and has a little flame transmutation too. circle. Mm-hmm. And his transmutation circle. Oh, wait, I think it has the two triangles, right? He only has it on the one glove. I see. At least I, we can see from this one. Uh, yeah. Drawing of him. Maybe you can only snap his fingers on one hand. <laughs> can you snap your fingers on both hands? I can I barely snap my finger on one hand. So <laughs> I have to like, there we go. You did it. You did a good I job. I do it about like, I don't know, three quarters of the time. <laughs> I try to snap my fingers. It's <laughs> a pretty good hit rate. It's fine. You pass. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I guess it wouldn't help you with alchemy, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess um, it's not clear if like Hawkeye can do alchemy. She just drew her gun. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like all the other people around could draw guns. It also seemed like Bald wasn't able to do alchemy. Yeah. So I guess not every villain in this is an alchemist also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how Ed says he got the cheaper automail. Also important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ed's automail does seem to be pretty magical. Like, yeah. it seems to be very strong. He's cut through a lot of things with it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, having a blade out of your arm doesn't actually give you very much force to to fight with but only you know, from the elbow cool. down yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well maybe it's super sharp it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. it is magic science <laughs> oh right <laughs> sorry how, I could, how could i get them confused <laughs> the other thing they mentioned that it is has been brought up before um oh stepping away from the uh, the military for a second Mm-mm. is their teacher 
So yeah. you said we we've talked about how alchemy seems to be like a learnable skill in this mm-hmm. world, and it seems like they have like some kind of instructor. Yeah, yeah. Who, Who would be disappointed? Wouldn't approve of their any if current, anything they're doing, anything about their current <laughs> lifestyles. <laughs> they're missing bodies. They're like <laughs> being in the military. What was the other thing they said? I forget. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there were three things though where they were like lamenting. Hold on, wait, I will find. I will find. Yeah, not only that we broke the laws of alchemy, now we're stuck with these bodies. I wonder what our mm-hmm. teacher would say if she found out. Yeah, dog of the military. I don't know how to respond to that. Not yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> so yeah, that they're in the military, they broke the laws of alchemy and they messed up their bodies. Mm-hmm. They broke all the rules. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, they mentioned their they mentioned that they have an instructor, which is cool. I mm-hmm. not nothing else to say about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I do like alchemy like as the like magic system of the world being treated as like it's learnable. Yeah, like a learnable like skill with rules that have to mm-hmm. be followed and everything. And also laws, which we didn't talk about mm-hmm. yet. So yeah. they said like you can't create gold and that's a law. Mm-hmm. Supposedly in the land. Yeah, it's interesting cuz they talk about like breaking like like the laws of alchemy and yeah. being like a terrible sin and stuff when they're talking about human transmutation. But when they're talking about the gold, they're just like, they're just like, this is a little bit illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if human transmutation is illegal. It must not be. I don't know. <laughs> At least it certainly wasn't mentioned before. Like, but yeah, I feel like it probably is. But it also has like a like a social like, yeah, stigma to it. I guess it's just like, like murder. You know, like yeah, murder is a law, like, and there's like an additional stigma on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like. Um, shoplifting yeah i guess where it's like yeah it's like kind of shitty it's like eh, it's against the law or just like you know like some people have to do it trespassing or something jaywalking jaywalking. (laughs) there's not a cultural stigma around jaywalking (laughs) i feel like creating gold i mean forfeit for counterfeiting money would be a problem yes (laughs) yeah yeah i could that would definitely you'd want to have that be illegal yeah (laughs) running a country (laughs) although like if you create gold with alchemy is it counterfeiting like listen (laughs) the purest gold you've ever gotten probably mm-hmm. yeah but that would definitely, definitely be a problem <laughs> alchemists all over the place making more gold what do they think they're doing <laughs> there's this video online about like how the move payday would like completely destroy the the economy of the pokemon world <laughs> <laughs> like great detail it's really funny use payday <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, interesting that there are, so there's not just like the quote unquote laws of alchemy, like the laws of how you can do this magic in this world, but also mm-hmm. there's like what seem like human restrictions around alchemy, yeah, such as creating gold. And then also the like process of becoming a state alchemist or whatever, like mm-hmm. Al's, or Ed's like, don't, you know, don't, you don't have to get licensed too, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks like you could practice alchemy without a license though, <laughs> mm-hmm. unlike some laws that we have, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm a real doctor. I made gold. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, here, just put your arm in the circle. It'll be fine. <laughs> human Full human transmutation is off limits, but transmuting your arm into a gun is okay, based on what I yes. saw with, <laughs> in, with Father Cornello. <laughs> I feel like that's a uh, attempt at your own risk kind of thing. What with how it went. <laughs> yeah, it's like back alley plastic surgery. I feel like yes. we're talking about a lot of topics we should be talking about at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but i guess also creating alchemy i mean creating alchemy creating gold is also kind of a i mean that was like the original goal of alchemy right mm-hmm. so that's kind of a thing yeah good for bribery as stated mm-hmm. good for 
screwing over corrupt officials. <laughs> Certainly worked out in the end, didn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love Ed's like total innocence. Like, huh? I don't know anything about what any are you gold. About? <laughs> you just said this is free. You signed it right here. <laughs> Perfect teenage sass. Mm-hmm. I like his um uh, Yoki's like despair look at the end yeah. too, where he like that like uh, scream type face that a uh, scream emotion type <laughs> face that Arakawa draws is really hilarious. There's a couple in this um. In this and like that, Ed did the same thing last time. I think when the stone turned out to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Any other things that uh, we need to talk about these two chapters? For these two chapters, uh, I don't think so. Those were the the major points I had. Well, I'm happy that we got to see Roy Mustang hit someone with a fireball, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ed transmute a little microphone or a loudspeaker version hey. of himself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> complete with a bang, as yeah, as appropriate. <laughs> His defining angry eyes. Yes. Oh, we forgot to talk about one thing. I just remembered his pocket watch. Mm-hmm. There's some symbolism on the pocket watch too. Yeah, it looks like a chimera, actually, right? Mm-hmm. Some kind of dragony looking thing. Maybe it's just a dragon. <laughs> it just has like a long tail, but it has a big claws. Yeah, kind of like a old like british style dragon type shape or yeah. it kind of looks like a lion and you're like do you actually know what a dragon looks like that kind of yeah thing. <laughs> and then it has mm-hmm. the and it's uh, also got the star. the double triangles yeah yeah that is uh yeah something interesting to do with the military too that we should probably mention is that he refers refers to it as having the fuhrer's crest on it right the fuhrer mm-hmm. otherwise known as the fuhrer yeah, president a, <laughs> yeah this the official of his translation says fuhrer president i think i feel like they were trying to like soften the nazi reference that's what but, like, it's there it's like. intentional <laughs> i mean they say that it's like a military state like i yeah <laughs> i don't think it's not there so yeah and the um the original japanese word is like almost exclusively used to refer to the fear in of nazi germany right. in real life so what was it die it's like die soto soto yeah yeah we discussed previously yeah, how we thought it was bogus that they softened it to fear yeah. oppressing. I think it was just like it just yeah. makes it sound silly rather than like softened to me. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's the only reason they were trying to do it. <laughs> maybe they thought people wouldn't know what the fear is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess um, maybe they wanted to make sure there wasn't any kind of like neo-Nazi connotation or something. I don't know. I mm-hmm. could see that being an issue. Maybe. But, um. um but yeah, but uh, yeah. From here on out, we'll be just using the term fear. <laughs> no association with neo-Nazis whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> He's like it's not, a dictator, I, I guess. I, think it, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's spoilers to say, like, I mean, the connotation is intentional and not meant to be positive. Definitely. Like, from what we've seen of the military and its reputation. Yeah, we've definitely, and we've seen that. <laughs> like, it's obvious that the military, I mean, it seems like Ed and Al and Mustang and Hawkeye seem mm-hmm. like good people and like Halcro, but we don't know. We don't know what's mm-hmm. going on with the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like, like, individual people yes. are probably okay but like the military as a whole like the fact that they even refer to it as the military state, state like, yes <laughs> i think that's the giveaway of why it should be fear and not yeah fear president <laughs> nobody refers to i mean i don't know i guess people do but <laughs> you know the, i think that those two things go hand in hand so mm-hmm. yeah but i'm sure we'll see what it's really like in the military sometime mm-hmm. soon <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to question yes <laughs> more world building yay. yeah 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 and with like a powerful amassed of you know people who can do basically magic mm-hmm. who are part of the military certainly something is afoot i guess it seems yeah <laughs> 
what it is yet we don't know but we'll see mm-hmm. well good on that intriguing note yep <laughs> all right uh next week we are already gonna buck the trend cool. and read chapters five six and seven whoa that's <laughs> a lot of homework i don't know if i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> Well, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Now we're talking about military states and like fears and stuff. So I don't know. If I'm, excited anymore. <laughs> I'm excited for the drama. I like, I just really like this, like, um, Arakawa's like, like, yeah. Ready? Are you ready for the story? Child dismemberment, church corruption, mm-hmm. military corruption, people like an unequal distribution of wealth. Are you ready? It's like, um, mm-hmm. I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't this for the magic, but <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't pull any punches. Nope. Um... <laughs> but I, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Five to seven. Right, uh, I will read yep, it. Five, six, and seven. So join us cool. next time then. <laughs> mm-hmm. We will see you guys uh, next week. Yeah, next week. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I forgot if you were gonna we're go still, first. We're still me. working on this. <laughs> <laughs> We've only done this a couple times before. <laughs> All right. We got we to gotta shake out of the old pattern and work out a new one. Yeah, I need to learn to shut up, I think, is what it is. <laughs> All right, see you next All right, time. bye. Bye? <laughs> yes. <laughs>